Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SAS District. On today's episode, we'll be talking about why you should always stick to your values when building and growing your startup. We have, today, we have our guest, Peldi, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce this, joining us. Uh, after studying computer science in Italy, he moved to San Francisco, where he worked for a couple of years as an engineer with Adobe. Uh, when he worked at Adobe, that led him to discover an opportunity to develop a tool that could uh, make everyone more productive on the team, something he describes as a no-going-back technology. Uh, after a series of events, he ended up quitting his job at Adobe and decided to focus on his new project. So he decided to go back to Italy and found his new successful company, uh, which is now Balsamic, which he is now the founder and CEO. Uh, Balsamic is a fully bootstrapped company uh, focused on prototyping UI, UX, and the Wireframes is a collaborative user interface wireframing tool that gives the experience of sketching on a whiteboard, but using a computer. They focus on content and structure rather than the details and other design elements, which is important to somebody like myself. Uh, they started in 2008 as an independent little software company and one-man shop and have been growing organically ever since. Uh, I know Balsamica, from what I've heard, has turned away a lot of external investors, turned down many uh, multi-million dollar acquisition offers because they truly believe it's the right thing to do for them and their community. So hopefully that was a good introduction, uh, Feldy. Welcome to the show and uh, glad to have you here. Great introduction. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> was, that, was that everything or did you want to add anything else to that? That's it. You described my whole life. <laughs> awesome. Um, so you talk about how you, you know, your pro the product you initially built was adapted to the workflow of the entire team of Adobe. I want to I speak to that a little bit. How, how did that disruption happen? And can you tell us how the story, um, you know, how that influenced the development of Balsamic to where it is today? Right. So the year was 2005, 6, 7, and uh, the term was uh, Web 2.0. And basically what happened was that browsers and JavaScript were getting to be good enough to be able to build mm -hmm. what we now called web apps. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the first web apps that we started using uh, uh, in my engineering team was uh, Atlassian Confluence, which is a enterprise wiki uh, knowledge base, you know. And uh, and that's the thing that really spread uh, like wildfire in the team. We we realized uh, all the things that we now take for granted, which is web apps are a single source of of truth. They have history of changes, and uh, everything is always saved automatically. There's no you just share a URL. You don't have to export to PDF and send that over email. You know, it's just that. The collaboration with web apps is so much more uh, see, uh, seamless that um, it, it really changed uh, how how we worked and uh, increased our productivity tremendously. And so, um, when I saw saw that happening, I thought I want to uh, be part of this somehow. And um, building a whole platform, collaborating collaborative platform, seemed uh, way too big, but uh, Atlassian Confluence is an extensible wiki, so you could build what they used to call plugins. Mm. Now they call them apps, um, and so that just enhanced the functionality of the wiki itself. And so I thought, hey, that's a smaller scope problem to solve. Maybe I can solve that with a smaller company and just by myself. 
So I, I started looking for what could I build to improve this platform. And so the wireframing uh, solution was uh, what was supposed to be the first of many products that I built, but it's been 12 years that I'm not done with the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Still working on the same one. So, yeah. so what did you take from uh, you know working at Adobe? And then was there anything that you you saw that you were you know directly applied from when you first started there? Oh my gosh, that's where I learned everything. I worked mm. there for seven years, almost seven years. So I uh, I was a programmer there and then an engineering lead, um, but I was really uh, trying to learn as much as possible about all the different aspects of uh, how to design and make and support and uh, the legal aspect and the pricing and the marketing and the sales. Nice. Um, so one of my main motivations for going on my own was to um, learn all the steps required to make software. Uh, at Adobe, I was part of a very large team, and so I was only exposed to a little part of it. But I was very curious to learn all the rest of it. Mm. And now, you know, 12 years later, so you started in 2008, your response was that, you know, we're not interested in investment. You said you got, you know, many several multi you know million uh, offers to get acquired but you're not interested so when many founders start their company their their goal and maybe their dream is to get acquired as some some you know another another corporation a big corporate like google um when did you make that decision to stay bootstrapped throughout and was that the value you knew from the beginning um, that you wanted to keep growing organically and if so you know why why was that decision made uh yes it was very much from the beginning um I was, the, my motivation was never uh, to make money. Uh, the motivation was I wanted to stay uh, uh, a one-person company forever. I wanted to, uh, I try to pick the smallest possible problem uh, because my motivation is the love of the craft itself. So my goal was let's pick a tiny, tiny problem that will, yes, me and my family for uh, for a while and that's it I, I i didn't want to uh have a company with employees that sounded stressful people problems <laughs> i just wanted to program and build a product and uh interact with my customers and that was it and so that was the the original vision to be a solopreneur uh indie hacker whatever you want to call it um mm -hmm and stay that way. Unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, uh, I uh, picked a problem that was too big for one person to solve on their own. And the market was growing and growing and growing. And, uh, um, and so pretty quickly, I had to let go of my dream and start hiring people. But I fought it for a long time. Okay. And so ever since I've had to sort of reinvent my dream uh, based on what the market is dictating. Uh, but uh, the goal, again, the values are the same, which is we want to just uh, have a good time building a go the best product possible with our customers. The money is a consequence. It's not a motivator. Mm. And how many team members do you have now? I'm sure you're more than, than the one. We you are now 33, 33? which okay. uh, <laughs> is a lot. But I've been able to not hire anyone for the last uh, year and a half. So that, that's a success. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, we'll see. Maybe we have uh, finally reached our uh, equilibrium uh, size. Okay. Does the team push back? Like, hey, we need somebody to do this job, and you're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm okay here. I, uh, <laughs> that's been the history since the beginning. But you yeah. know, uh, once in a while, I understand, and and uh, mm. I also don't want the team to suffer. So mm. uh, we've been growing organically ever since. Sometimes we will will make a big jump and you know hire five, six people in a year, mm-hmm. but usually. We hire maybe one or two people a year, uh, but mm. yes. So if anyone's looking for a job, don't don't look at Balsamic. It's going to be years before you get in. <laughs> it's no. pretty. It's pretty hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know. How, how do you guys compete with the? You know, so you guys are a bootstrap company. I know there's other. You have competitors who are you know VC funded. They have a lot more funding behind them. How do you guys stay you know ahead of the competition there? Well, uh, the stroke of luck not genius but luck is that um the market that we chose is pretty small so we it's uh too small for big players to go after and fairly big for tiny players up that are coming now to be able to compete with us mm. um so you know there we do have big competitors but they do m- much more they do prototyping so where you can build a fully functioning fake application or fake website, right? Yeah. Um, and those are complex tools, pro tools, uh, and they cost 10 times what, what we uh, charge. Um, we don't go there. We are a wireframing tool. So only it, we compete with pencil and paper. So uh, we only let you do these sketches. And then after that, if you want to use a prototyping tool, you can. If you want to go straight to code, that's what most of our customers do. Um, but so, so by focusing on this smaller market, the big players leave us alone. They think that we're a feature of their software, mm-hmm. but that's not actually true because we are perfect for non-technical users that have an idea, but they have to express it somehow. And mm. the fact that we're so focused means that we can stay simple even for non-technical users. Makes sense. And yeah. so your original vision, um, you know, stay lean, keep 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 growing, you know, not focus on the money, focus on the craft. Where are you guys today in terms of the size? And now, you know, uh, 12 years later, what would you say is, is your end goal or vision with the product or the company? Right. Yeah. So like I said, we're 33 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, Last year, we uh, we uh, our revenue was uh, six point seven million. Nice. Uh, this year, we should uh, easily pass seven million, um, which is plenty for us. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a lot. We we have around a million in profit every year since the beginning. Sometimes more. Nice. Uh, so, you know, it's going very well. Um, now the vision is to. Uh, more of the same, continue to uh, serve our customers, make them uh, more awesome at what they do by listening to them, talking to them, giving them uh, what what they're asking or what they need, you know. Uh, and uh, my, I like to grow uh, maybe 2% a year for revenue. Okay. Seems like a nice uh, uh, sustainable uh, growth. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, my main goal is to build a company that will outlive me. 
so the, the, the focus has always been on longevity rather than growth. And so that's why I like sh- small growth, because if you grow too fast, uh, it's like uh, burning a candle at both ends. Uh, you don't last as long. Right. It escapes underneath you. So that you, yeah, that's kind of interesting that you know you stuck to your values. Where a lot of people may push, or you get an external pressure if you did have to take investment, or you know whatever the case, you have partners. Um, you know the the mentality is always grow, 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 push, sell, make more money. So I mean the fact that you're very like I'm okay with two percent. Um, you know most people are like, what's wrong with you? Why not? Why not go for you know be doubling every year over year, right? And you probably could if you really wanted to, but yeah, you're like, no, I'm I'm good. I'm sticking that to what I want. That sounds really stressful. I'm very <laughs> happy with the profits we have right now. Okay. Uh, so is this something that you see? We're lucky that the market is allowing us to take our time and and be the size that we want. Right. Yeah, you have nobody coming in taking over. You know, all market. We're very little competitive pressure. So yeah, you asked about VC. Uh, VC, how to compete with VC companies. Well, uh, our market is not VC friendly because uh, the wireframing, the total addressable market for wireframing tools is maybe, I don't know, $10 million worldwide. Mm. We take seven of it. That's plenty. But it's not going to grow 10 times in five years by itself. You would have to either bundle us with a bunch of other tools and make us a complicated suite or make us move uh, into the prototyping world. And yeah. then you're competing with Microsoft, Adobe, uh, you know, giant. And in that, in that world, of course, you need VC because that's, yeah. you know. But, but in our small niche, um, so we have had direct competitors that were VC funded and they last a couple of years and then the VC pulls the plug because wow. they realize that it's by itself, it's not going to grow uh at the speed that the vc needs right yeah so i know what comes to mind to me is like something like a figma and that that becomes you know overwhelming because I'm, I'm not a designer i'm an engineer but very technical um you know analytical so you, you know i like that something a tool like this it, it's yeah you say it's you know a pool of this kind of people but you could also reach other people who are maybe like curious and they want to learn and but they don't have that kind of you know design mindset so that's kind of right we decided to not focus on designers even though a lot of our customers are designers and they use us as uh together with feedback together with envision together with xd together with Axure, um and that's fine because we are still the fastest way to do wireframes because we're so focused yeah but a lot of our customers are people who can't afford to hire a designer yet. They're mm. founders, entrepreneurs, product managers, right? They um, they have ideas. Uh, they want them. They want somebody to build them, or developers. They buy they buy our tools in order to talk to their clients, right? Right. So you don't have a number in mind for use, like I'm going to hand this off to to my kids or family, grandkids, and I want this to keep lasting forever. I don't know if you have kids or not, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I do, but uh, I don't know if my son is interested at all uh, at this point. He's 14, yeah, so he doesn't okay. really know. But sure. uh, no, the the dream is to be able to build a company that is so well run and so solid that it can fully function without me. Mm-hmm. So that should one day, so something happen to me or whatever. Um, or I, or should I get bored and want to do something else? Uh, I could leave and continue to own it and continue to get dividends every year. Uh, and the company would do even better without the, without me than with me. Um, and even if I fail, I think it's a good goal to have because it just makes the company just 
stronger and smoother. And so this is my five-year project right now to try and see if I can get to a point where I'm not actually needed for anything. Mm-hmm. And it's also, a, it sounds fun because then once I reach that point, then I can work on whatever I want. I can help help out whatever I, uh, whoever I want inside the company. Exactly. You get to decide and choose what you want to focus yeah. on. Cool. Love it. Um, can you attribute to really what dro- drove the growth to Balsamic in the very early stages? Um, and then what's continuing to work right now, you know, 12 years later? It's hard to tell because I don't track anything. So I don't really know uh, what, <laughs> uh, how it, uh, it happened. But the, I attribute it to, um, you know, from the beginning, we say we compete on usability and customer service. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not easy to do those things well, especially for a small company or, you know, in, in our small market, because um, we had competitors before I started and they were clearly made by programmers for other programmers. They, you know, they did not, uh, they were like 80s and 90s kind of software, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Balsamic Wireframes was the first tool that was, uh, easy enough to use for non-technical users. And so that that was, I think, a, a big com- competitive uh, advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, we also use a sketchy uh, UI. That the, the designs that you make with Balsamic look like they're hand-drawn, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty unique at the time. It, it's been copied a million times over. but um, And so that gave it character immediately that there was there was a virality built in into the product because as soon as people saw a wireframe made with balsamic, they immediately asked, how did you do that? That's very unique, right? Cool. So um, so the, the, the product was well built, easy to use, uh, it was somewhat viral. And then the customer service, uh, we've always invested a lot in. Uh, so very close uh, feedback loop with our customers releasing all the time, fixing bugs all the time, uh, cultivating the forums. Um, I, uh, I live in Italy, but the second employee was in California, so we could cover more time zones, mm-hmm. uh, answering the phone, you know. So I think that uh, that's really been our, our uh, formula for success, which is just continuous iterating in close contact with customers. Uh, Love it. The way. So it's more very product-led growth where you just focus. Oh, on absolutely! The, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our, uh, our, we we barely done any marketing ever. Mm. Our our marketing is our product itself and our customer service. Love it. C- can you share? So I know sometimes it's important to share what works, but then there's also I think equally important what people don't share is what what didn't work. Um, can you fair, share any failed growth experience that you, you tried over the last few years that didn't work as as much as you hoped? That's the thing. We've never tried any growth experience. Yeah, I've tried anything. <laughs> growth <laughs> okay. is a consequence. It's okay. not a goal. Okay. So uh, there's stuff that we do that we uh, that uh, that fails, of course, but uh, features that were not well designed originally, and we've had to do them again, or a couple we've actually managed to remove. Um, uh, you know, we make mistakes all the time. That's that's part of the fun. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I can't tell you about a growth experiment because we, that's you not don't, you don't have a marketing work. team, so you don't have you don't have anybody doing SEO, anybody doing you know paid ads, anything like that. 
Well, so we do uh, we do paid ads because um, there's a consulting company called Software Promotions uh, in England that uh, manages the manages the whole thing for us for free because mm-hmm. we're okay. friends and we you know we did so we did a, a case study for their website. And so they take care of it. They tell us how much we should spend. And they, you know, I have no idea uh, how that works. Okay. Uh, I think it's helping. They tell me our numbers are good, but I don't like uh, that stuff. So uh, I talk to them once a year. <laughs> so you don't even pay attention to that. You're like, okay, no, just, zero. Just, um, just, yeah. And then SEO, we do, but we don't do it for the search engine. We do it for humans. I mean, Having clear titles, having clear descriptions, having clear web pages, that's good for our readers. Uh, the, the search engine is supposed to uh, emulate what a human does. So mm-hmm. we focus on making it as good as we can for humans. Mm-hmm. And then uh, whatever happens with the search engines. That's, that's very interesting. I mean, it works, right? Um. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's been working for us. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But like you said, you're happy with the, with the growth, and uh, you know, keep if it works, keep keep doing it. Um, so I know you've been very transparent and open with information that about your company, um, but it also leads to many other people copying your software. I know we talked a little bit about that. Uh, even your business structure, um, you know, you openly lay out, you know, uh, your, your your software and your training, and, and kind of you have a lot of material there, like your academy. Uh, can you tell us more about this? You call it the golden puzzle concept that you mentioned. How to Stay you know, yeah. different from the competition? Yeah, sure. So um, at the beginning, I blogged a lot uh, because it was just me, mostly. Mm-hmm. And so in order to think through something, I needed to talk to someone. And so writing on the blog was a good way to uh, to clear my head and get feedback from uh, anyone who would listen. <laughs> and um, And so that was useful for me. And it became this marketing thing where, oh my gosh, you're so transparent. Uh, and so people started, that became sort of a trend at some point. Um, the way I saw it was, I have nothing to hide. Uh, I don't, I, I'm just being me. I understand if you don't want to buy from me because it's just a one person company, so it's risky. But I'll tell you as much as I can so you can trust that I'll be honest and that, um, you know, so I started sharing my revenue numbers right away because they were pretty good just to show that uh, potential customers that uh, I was not that risky of a, of a bet to buy my software. I was going to stick around to answer their phone call if they had a support question six months uh, down the line. Right. So that's that's what started the whole transparency thing. And I've stopped blogging. uh years later because I had a team and the team could be my sounding board for different things. Right. Um, so, so I started that way and then, um, sorry, the, you, your question was about, uh, Oh, the golden puzzle. Golden puzzle right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the, the consequence of, uh, of all the sharing is that some people thought, Hey, if this, dude can do it i can do it too and so uh some people started cloning every and copying everything we did i mean <laughs> there was this one company that we used to release every every monday and then one day we decided uh to change it to every thursday 
And two days later, their blog post was, we're changing, we're releasing every Thursday. I'm like, wow, they're copying every step, even without questioning completely. So that was interesting for a couple of years, but mm -hmm. th they all went away. But anyways, uh, <laughs> when that was starting to happen, I was telling my dad about it. And he was like, should, should you be worried about it? Um, and I said, well, I don't know. And he said, what is it that, uh, that someone can copy? And if they do, you go out of business. So he kept asking mm -hmm. me, like, do you have any uh, patents on what you're doing? I said, no. Uh, is your software super complicated to build? I said, no. Uh, so he asked me, what is it that if somebody copies it, you're, you're out of luck. And I had to really think about it. And the answer was, uh, none of it or all of it, right? You can't, it's not just one thing. It's not just the code. It's not just the website. It's not just how you do, uh, uh, marketing It's not how you do your pricing. It's not your terms of service, uh, license <laughs> agreement. Uh, it's all of it. You have to be good at every single thing. Um, and if you are, you're not going to be perfect at everything, but it, you have to be very good at uh, every single interaction with the customers. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do because mm -hmm. some of it is technical, some of it is people skills, some of it is marketing and user experience, right? So it, it takes a, a, a really broad view to be able to do it all. And so the golden puzzle is how I teach my team to always try to uh, to achieve that level in whatever output they have. Okay. So uh, uh, our definition of the golden puzzle is a piece of the golden puzzle is when somebody tweets or blogs or talks about something that we've done that is not our software. It's not our core uh, competency, right? So if somebody sometimes says, oh, the license agreement of Balsamic is the one of the clearest ones I've seen, mm. boom, that's a piece of the code deposit. Or somebody says the customer service of Balsamic is the best in the world. That's golden puzzle. Got it. Uh, so you know, even uh, I had um, Evan, the inventor of Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, he tweeted complimenting us for our, twi for our Twitter background. Okay. Because because it was it was unique at the time and uh, mm. he noticed it and he so that's a piece of the golden puzzle that we had printed and we have it on the wall at the office, right? <laughs> yeah so it's um, the aim is to make everything that you put out into the world so good so remarkable that somebody will talk about it and They'll if we do it, it for everything we do then we're gonna be just fine and yeah. if we fail well at least we tried. So it's probably going to be pretty good. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, how do you copy user experience? How do you copy customer service, that conversation they have, right? So you can try to right. copy a yeah, technical, but yeah, you're right. There's some things that's just your golden parachute, right? Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. and mostly what it comes down to is the people. That's yeah. the most, uh, the thing that's the hardest to copy. And so mm -hmm. we invest so much on our team. We're constantly training everybody, mm -hmm. giving people time to train themselves and get better nice. and better at what they do mm -hmm. um, all the time.
And what's the reasoning today that you still openly share so much information and process? So I saw, you know, this is how much we pay you. We're going to pay you this, this, and this for your hiring. This is the number of users we have. This is the number of transactions. This is how the product works. Like you guys are still super transparent on. Well, it's the same, right? Same? The more yeah. we share, the more people can trust us, I think. Hmm. Uh, they can see that we're a healthy company and uh, we're going to stay in business. And uh, it's it's really about being a good citizen. Um, hmm. I don't, I, I can't think of doing it any other way, you know. Hmm. I'd be curious to see if like you removed all that tomorrow, if like, you know, you'd, you'd lose, start losing customers. But yeah. well, it's, well, now it's kind <laughs> now of it's, our brand. It's just sure. our, our, our value system there. We are always, you know, honest, saying this is how we are now. We're mm. not perfect, but we're constantly trying to improve, and mm-hmm. uh, and this is what you get. <laughs> yeah, take it or leave it. You know, again, we're lucky that we don't sell this enterprise thing where the pricing changes by every customer. And for some things, it makes sense to be that way. Yeah. Um, but for us, we're, we're making a tool that is standardized and inexpensive. Um, then uh, our, our style sort of seems to work well for that. Makes sense. Uh, now, kind of going back to the product, I know we're, we're humans of emotion, right? We make uh, a lot of decisions based on emotion, sometimes not too logical. You're, you try to focus your, your, built, your software focusing on eliciting those feelings. Um, how, how do you build that into a product and, and try to get those feelings? Well, it, it's not really a goal, but it's more about um, trying to understand uh, our customers are, uh, as best as we can. And so, um, and if we can uh, infuse a little personality, a little, you know, special touches yeah. into our software, uh, we like to do that because it just, again, I think it makes for a better user experience overall. So one example that we have that gets a, uh, that is appreciated a lot is that in our help menu in the in the app, when you you know you go to help, there's uh, get support, report a bug, uh, documentation. Yeah. What should I make for dinner? <laughs> what? So we, <laughs> yeah, we have this feature, and so you, you click on that. And it takes us to, to our website where one of our employees uh, has made 150 YouTube videos of very quick recipes that you can do uh, wow. very quick, right? And wow. the idea is we know that our customers, when they use our tool, they lose track of time because mm-hmm. it's so they get in the flow. It's so creative, right? Yeah. And inev- inevitably, it gets 5 p.m., 6 p.m. They have to run home. And, the, and now the stressful question is always the same. Why should I make it? So we try to help you even uh, at the end of your day. So that's just one idea that we have. Another uh, thing that we did, for instance, is uh, in our loading screen, mm-hmm. right? There's a little loading. And sometimes you're, you're loading a large project, so it takes a few seconds. Mm-hmm. So instead of just showing a little progress bar, under the progress bar, we put an inspirational quote. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're you're waiting to start your day and that way you get inspired a little bit while nice. you're waiting. Right. Nice. So it's funny because people now complain that our software is too fast and they can't read the quote fast enough. <laughs> uh, you know, 
people ask us to make our software slower instead slower. of faster. <laughs> I, I actually read that another. Uh, by the way, I love that both of those examples. That's that's fantastic. I would never have thought of that. I read another company where they they did the same thing, where they had a, a loading image and uh, it actually dropped their conversions and their sales because when they removed it, because people felt like, no, this is too fast. It's not working as good as it should be. It needs right. to take time to process and work, but right. it's a weird exactly. cycle. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Another example is we put uh, we added background music. Okay. Um, uh, you can uh, go edit, play background music, and it's this very soothing music that helps you focus. Mm. And we made it 25 minutes long, which is the length of a Pomodoro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the Pomodoro technique? Of course, technique? yeah, yeah. And then we have uh, five minutes of bird sounds that we recorded. Which means get up and stretch and take a take you know take a break wow. go get some water and then it restarts again with another pomodoro. So it's these awesome. little things that um, some people might not consider software, mm-hmm. but for us they're they're an integral part of the experience of using our tool. Um, if they help you be more successful, why shouldn't we uh, put them in? You know, that's awesome. So we're constantly looking for these little things. And we don't want to go overboard. We, we're not, you know, yeah. we don't want to be cheesy or anything. Only what's useful. You guys should look at uh, integrating with a, with a or, or, you know, build your own some, something like a brain.fm. I don't know if you heard of that, but to get users into flow state and they're like, whoa, yeah. and then you just see them create like all these beautiful pieces. That'd be, right, that'd right, be pretty right. cool. Yeah, that's, uh, our music <laughs> is, is similar to one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm very data-driven marketer. So I'm the one that you don't like. I'm the opposite of you uh, <laughs> with an uh, analytical. One. No, no, no. Wait a minute. It's not that I don't like you. No, it's not like me. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to be that way right now. Sure, sure. And I, 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 exactly. I don't like creating either. Or I mean, I just don't know how to. Uh, so when I think of wireframing, wireframing, I think of you know, creative design, which is, you know, gets intimidating. Who, who can start wireframing, I guess? And how can someone like myself get good at it? Right. So it's, of course, it's intimidating, like anything mm. that you've never done before is intimidating. Mm. But often, uh, once you start, then you look back and you, you laugh at yourself for being intimidated, right? It turns out much easier than, than you expected. Yeah. It's just scary because it's new. So um, one thing that uh, helps if you, if you want to learn wireframing or user, user experience design in general, product design, Mm-hmm. is uh, instead of starting with a, uh, with a blank sheet of paper, maybe start with a tool like Balsamic because uh, on paper you can just draw anything and, and that's scary. It, with Balsamic, we give you all sorts of pre-made components and you just drag and drop and assemble. Okay. So that's a lot less scary because you can confidently uh, assemble a UI knowing that these components already exist. Some programmer... Mm-hmm we'll be able to build it uh, mm. someday, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we hear from a lot of beginners that uh, we actually uh, help them uh, in this uh, this way. And then the other thing is um, over the years, we've learned that just giving people a pencil is not going to turn them into Leonardo da Vinci, sure. right? <laughs> uh, it's just a pencil. And so we've invested quite a bit uh, in the last few years on uh, education team. And so... If you go to balsamic.com slash learn, you'll find what we're calling the Balsamic Wireframing Academy, which is a giant uh, piece of our website now with courses, articles, uh, videos, tutorials, all sorts of things. And the idea is to get you from zero to decent. 
uh, you're not going to become the best product designer in the world. That that takes years and years to master. Right. Uh, but you it, it should solve that problem that you were saying, which is I've never done it before. Where do I start? Uh, we have a very easy to follow uh, classes and, and things like that. And all that is free on your website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So no excuse not to not to do it. Well, I mean, it takes time, and <laughs> like everything time. else. And uh, but you know, try a few things and see if you develop the passion for it, and uh, right, might be fun. Sure. Um, I want to talk about hiring here because I feel like you have a pretty interesting concept uh, and vision around how you build your team. Um, and I see that you know it's obviously extremely difficult to get hired at Balsamic, you know, just uh, based on your guys' standard, and then obviously the amount of volume of hires you guys make. Um, so you, off, you offer industry average plus pay policy, I think I saw, uh, based on your location. Uh, you know, vacation, kind of uh, pretty, pretty relaxed there. You really try to build that strong work culture and training. Um, I'd like to hear more about what does your hiring process look like and how do you find that top talent? Because I know that's a, that's a common sure. difficulty for, for CEOs. Sure. Yeah. So, yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, like I said before, the people is the one thing that um, is hard to uh, copy. Is the one thing that um, that I, I want to invest as much as possible in. Uh, I think it, that the more I do that, that, that has the highest return mm. uh, in the long term. Mm -hmm. And so um, it is difficult to work at Balsamic because we hire so rarely. Mm -hmm. But it's actually not very difficult, I feel, to uh, qualify for a job at Balsamic because uh, we, more than hiring for seniority, mm -hmm. uh, we hire for potential. Okay. Um, we, you know, like, like I said before, we are not perfect. We don't have all the answers, but we're going to work towards finding them and we're going to work uh, to get better every day. Mm -hmm. So I actually prefer finding someone uh, with less experience and more potential rather than someone who might be super expert and then two years later get bored because they have nothing to learn. Uh, it's more about working at Balsamic. It's more like let's get on board on this train and let's make it all, you know, let's travel together and, and make it as good as we can together. Um, so I feel like that's, that approach has been working well for us. Um, so, you know, coachability mm -hmm. uh, and um, self-motivation and thirst for learning. These are things that are uh, important here and what will make you successful. But how do you measure that at the interview stage? Do you have... It's tough. It's yeah. tough. And especially because we are uh, distributed worldwide and we often don't meet our employees until eight months after we've hired them in person. So we've made some mistakes. We've had a few people not work out within a year. Usually we figure it out. Uh, mm. We try as much as we can to make it work, but uh, then we see that it's uh, just the potential is not there. So mm. that this is something that we're working on improving. But again, um, we don't hire that often, so we, it's not something that we can uh, work on uh, practice too uh, too often. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the the number one uh, 
you know, strategy that we use in ourselves. So number one is always, we call it grit or hunger. Uh, and that's the yeah. thing. Um, and then, yeah, you know, usually it's like, you know, can you deliver a result? I think that's usually the second yeah. one, which is kind of tight. And then our third hiring uh, criteria is, uh, you know, experience. Because that, 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 that stuff changes every, you know, five well, years, right? So who cares? Maybe it's not relevant. You know, you've probably seen things change right. throughout the last 12 years. Yeah, so. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we like flexibility because we're still growing and, and people move between jobs. Um, we're... We're actively, this is an area that we're actively working on uh, improving. Mm. Um, Can you share a little bit more about the, the cultural side? I guess that's one side I'm, I'm kind of curious about. Because yeah, sure. I guess, I mean, um, so we, uh, I don't know if you can see behind my uh, behind my screen. We, we just uh, spent uh, uh, some time last year trying to uh, recodify our company values. Okay. Because the original list was made when it was just me ten years ago, okay. and I thought that, that doesn't make sense. We, you know, now after ten years and with this group, mm-hmm. we should know exactly what our culture is about now, and so we should update it for the next decade. And so right. we came up with these uh, six values, which are: one is we're good people and we care, mm-hmm. and then give and earn trust and respect. Be a great teammate. Be so good they can't ignore you, which is a Steve Martin quote. Mm-hmm. Aim for longevity, which we spoke about. Mm-hmm. And then always be Kaizening. Kaizen means continuous improvement. And, Love it. and so, like like already said, uh, for us, the, a lot of our work is just getting better at everything we do. Mm. Um, so w- with these uh, values, um, they... They pretty much capture our our uh, internal uh, culture right now, and then when it comes to benefits, we uh, our goal is to make sure people don't uh, think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't think about uh, money. They, you know, they know they're well paid. They don't have to worry about it, mm. um, so that they can then focus on their work. Mm. And so we have uh, we we compete with the best uh, here. Uh, we 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 compare with Apple and Google and Facebook, and we try to not fully match what they do, but uh, as much as we can. And right. luckily, we're very profitable, so we can afford to spend uh, uh, a lot on benefits. Uh, so you know, we we have very good salaries and very good benefits. We a few you've mentioned, but yeah, you can find more on our website. Love it. Uh- so thank you so much for, for being with us today. Um, where, where can our audience get in touch with you, learn more about kind of what you're working on, what the vision is, and, and about your product? Well, as you said, we're very transparent. Everything is on our <laughs> website, balsamic.com, balsamic with a Q mm-hmm. uh, instead mm-hmm. of the C at the end because mm-hmm. we don't make vinegar. <laughs> uh, and um, my email is there, my Twitter, you know, everybody's uh, information is, is on there. There's a million ways to contact us. Uh, I have an office hours um, program where I meet with uh, anyone who wants uh, advice uh, once a week. So you put in mind for that. Uh, A few of my employees do it as well. Mm -hmm. So you can check out that. Or uh, we have a community Slack uh, group that you can join if you want to talk to us directly. We're very approachable. Okay. Is that for 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 founders or only for for wire framers? Oh, anyone, anyone. anyone? I okay. usually, usually for me, I usually speak with founders. Founders, okay. Uh, about business stuff, and then uh, 
We have Leon, who's a UX expert, and he can give you advice on your wireframes. We have uh, Mike, who's a product designer and usually gives advice about careers in product design. Uh, we, have, we have several people that you can wow. talk to if you want to. So guys, if you guys are listening to this and you're a founder and you need to uh, speak to an expert, please take take up take this uh, this opportunity. I mean, that's huge. Not, not a lot of founders take, open up their time for, for other people and are willing to help you. So that's huge value. And my then, goal uh, is to <laughs> make new friends. So yeah, yeah. Help everybody's our, welcome. Help our friends <laughs> after today. Um, and I know on top of that, what uh, for everybody listening, um, you know, very nice uh, of, of you to offer. So and anybody who wants to try out his product, enter in code SAS District. Uh, in one word, and you'll get a three-month trial of the product. You can use it for free. Um, so just put in SAS District in the checkout, and uh, thank you so much for offering that to us and our listeners. Sure. That's right. for Balsamic Cloud, our web app. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much. Anything else you want to add, Peldi? No, thanks Thanks a lot, and good luck with the podcast. Uh, <laughs> it looks very good so far. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you all for listening in to today's episode. Don't forget to join us for another episode where we interview top leaders and experts in the business and SaaS industry. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. Otherwise, if you have any feedback, suggestions, or improvements for this podcast, please feel free to send it directly to me on our website at horizoncapital.com. Or you can just tweet me at Akil Jabbar. Thanks again and hope to see you guys on the next episode.